0: We were out of town. We had the opportunity to visit a part of beautiful Brazil in the Pantanal, and it was just wonderful. Viewing there and the beauty of nature, we had almost forgotten what it looked like with being living in the city and the buildings around us. Being out in nature was fabulous. Wildlife, birds, sunsets and, um, oh, a few million mosquitoes, yes. (laughs) We brought back traces of those, of course, but it was uh, fabulous, and so we appreciate the time away. But we came back, and of course, this is the beginning of Advent. Advent meaning arrival, the Latin word, and it's the time for us to prepare our hearts to celebrate the arrival of Jesus. So I wish you a happy Advent. It feels a little too early to say Merry Christmas, but we'll be moving toward that. We sang our first Christmas carol this morning. Did you pick that up? That's always fun, and we'll be adding those as we go through the week and, or the month. And I grew up in a, a fine Christian church, very similar to Calvary. And, uh, but I didn't learn about Advent season in that church, and I really didn't learn about Advent until I was in my early 30s. And Suzanne and I were living in Austria. I was pastoring an international church there. and In Austria, Advent is a big part of the Christmas season. And so we discovered Advent and the richness of the Advent season. If you're not familiar with Advent, I encourage you to do a little research and reading this week, especially if you have children in your home. Advent is a great opportunity for you as a family to engage them in the Christmas season. If you're single or, or a couple, it's a great opportunity maybe to share with friends or as a couple and, and to make this a special season of preparing yourselves for Advent. You can go online and, and gain some uh, great resources for the Advent season, some devotionals, maybe make a, a wreath, lighting the candle, and just taking devotion each week, each day, to prepare yourself for the celebration of Christ's coming. One of the ways that we celebrate, of course, in the season is in great singing. Those Christmas carols that we just get to sing maybe one, to, one month a year. And they're so special. Christmas carols are an important part of the season. And, you know, if you trace the tradition of Christmas carols, historians often look back and say it probably goes back to the Archbishop of Milan in the 4th century, a man by the name of St. Ambrose. Uh, he's the one who first started the church singing these specialized Christmas songs around the season of Advent. But in a different way, we might say that really the tradition of singing those songs of Christmas started in the Gospels, in the Bible itself. It's one of the ways, a great way for us to begin to prepare our hearts. And we see those songs, four of them actually, in the Gospels, around the Christmas event, the incarnation, the coming of Christ. We call them the four songs or the four canticles of Christmas. Those four songs are going to be our theme in this series as we move through Advent. We're going to be looking at one of those special songs of Christmas each Sunday. In fact, the gospel writer Luke is the one who records them. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at the first of those songs, probably the most well-known, and that's the song of Mary. After the angel came and announced to her that she would be the one giving birth to the Messiah, the long-awaited Son of God, Mary burst forth after she processed all that and the angel's announcement with this beautiful song. It's called the Magnificat. Uh, We'll discover the great truths of that for our lives today. It comes from the Latin word of her song the blessing of, of God. She says, my soul magnifies and glorifies the Lord, the Magnificat. But the other songs of Christmas that we'll be looking at, there's the angels' song, often referred to also as the shepherd's song, the song the angels sang to the shepherds as they tended the sheep outside on the hills outside of Bethlehem. And the angels burst into that song, and then the, it's called the shepherd's song sometimes because the angels sang it first to the shepherds, they were the first to hear that great news that a Savior would be born in the city of David. The third song of Christmas is the song of Simeon. Simeon might not be as common a name to you thinking oh, okay, how does he fit into the, this Christmas narrative? Well, Simeon was, one of the, that was the one who received Jesus' family as, after they dedicated Jesus in the temple. And they were leaving the temple. And Simeon saw them there, and he burst out into this song. It's called the Nunc Dimittis. On the third week, we'll translate that and discover the truth for us from Simeon's song. And then the fourth song of Christmas is the song of Zechariah. Zechariah was the the father of John the Baptist. And Zechariah, in his song, he proclaims the role of his son, John the Baptist, the role of he will be the forerunner He'll be the one who announces the ministry of Jesus that's coming. And so we'll look at that's called the Benedictus. The blessed, the, he's the blessed one. The song of Zechariah. But today we want to look at the first of those songs. The song of Mary. The one that we're probably most familiar with. Because we're most familiar with Mary's song. And, and her role in the Christmas story. As I said it's the Latin word the magnificat for the opening word of her song that she says she glorifies or magnifies the Lord Mary's life was interrupted by the announcement of the angel she would be the one who bears the Christ child the messiah would come to earth through Mary her life was totally disrupted her plan for life was uh, uh, turned upside down god had a different plan for Mary Now I admit as we will look at Mary's life today uh, in a small way uh, maybe I can relate to Mary's song and Mary's story. Not that I've ever become unexpectedly pregnant but my life has had those interruptions. Maybe as your life has had interruptions. In fact I remember just a few Christmases ago, uh, Christmas 2017, my life had an unexpected surprise. That has changed my life since that time. Suzanne and I were getting ready to go to our church's Christmas party that we had for the refugees that we were pastoring a church in Germany. And so we set up a refugee party for them, a Christmas party, so that the Middle Eastern refugees would understand and could experience what a Christian Christmas was about. And we were preparing to go to that at noon. And I was finishing my workout in the morning, as I finished up, I realized that I wasn't feeling quite right. And so I went in and lay down on the bed for a minute. And then I called to Suzanne. And I said, I think I'm having a heart attack here. And uh, sure enough, it was a heart attack. And we called them paramedics. And they came. And uh, that dis- little discovery, thankfully, you can see I survived the heart attack. But uh, that little interruption of life completely changed my life. Changed my lifestyle to this very day. I wonder if you would have a story like that. Has your life ever had an interruption, maybe similar to that? An interruption that changed you and has changed you to this day? I one time asked that question to a group of men I was leading and as men like to do, they wanted to share their stories about various interruptions they've had in their lives. And when guys start sharing stories, it's always kind of my story will top your story. And so one guy shared about uh, his, an illness he had. Another shared about a divorce. Another shared about cancer. And then another says, well, listen, you had cancer. I had stage four cancer. And then somebody else says, well, I had stage four cancer twice. And everybody upping the seriousness of the stories. But well, we've had many interruptions in life, haven't we? And I think if Mary was to listen to us share stories of our interruptions, maybe she would take that tact of my friends, the guys, who'd say, well, let me tell you this. She'd say, you think your story is good. Let me tell you my story about when God interrupted my life. Mary's life was interrupted by God in deep ways. It changed the course not just of her life, but the course of human history when God interrupted Mary. The only possible explanation of that as God came there was that was engineered by God Himself for a purpose that Mary could have never imagined in her wildest dreams. The details of the story are in Luke chapter 1. We're not going to read that today, but I would imagine you're familiar with it. If not, I encourage you, maybe this afternoon, refresh your memory of Mary's big interruption in Luke 1, 26 to 38. There we're we're reminded that Mary's life would never be the same after the angel came to her. Uh, Now she would have to contend with living in a a small town, the whispers of people, the strange looks that she would get. When she'd go to the market and she'd hear people talking about, oh, there's, there's the girl, doubting her story, questioning her parents. Wondering about her own ethics and morality that maybe she and Joseph weren't as pure as they wanted everybody to think. Mary's life, when it was interrupted by God, would never be the same again. And now she's wondering, what do I do next? My life has just exploded. Where do I go from here? Have you ever been there? An interruption of your life and you thought, what do I do now with that? Maybe it's an interruption that you say God brought. Or perhaps it's an interruption of circumstances that God allowed. But we look at Mary's life and we wonder, how could God have brought such an interruption to her life? And you consider Mary's words at the end of that announcement from the angel. Now, if the angel gave those words to her and uh, she wonders, and Mary said, My, the, uh, Luke says, Mary said, My heart is greatly troubled with this interruption if we were to modernize that translation we'd say Mary was was freaking out (laughs) she didn't know what to do where do I turn, what do I do how do I process this now well hold on to that question because the story continues in verse 38 just a few verses down the way in that story Mary's words change. And she says this She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Those words, in just nine short verses, show us that somehow Mary had transitioned from this deeply troubled heart what do I do now? to a peaceful, trusting heart. May it be to me as you have said. How did she do that? How did she go from having her world rocked by an angel's announcement to her heart being at peace with what God is doing? That's an important question because if we can discover the answer to that, how Mary did it, perhaps we can use that in our lives too when we have that same journey and our, our journey is interrupted by circumstances or by God. And the key to how Mary's heart was transformed is found in her, heart, in her song, the song of Mary, the Magnificat. It's a song of blessing and praise to God. And we get hints about how, how Mary made that transition from her life being interrupted, her heart being troubled, to finally her heart trusting in the Lord. And honestly, we could spend probably hours mining the the deep truths in the Magnificat and all that Mary says there. But I want to focus just on two expressions of her heart that I find that are helpful in her beautiful words of this song. Helpful to us as we navigate our own interruptions in life at times. The first expression I would call the expression of of trust. Mary's deep trust in God. When your life is rocked to the core by an angel's announcement, it puts to test the foundation of your life, what your life is built on. When your world is turned upside down, you have two choices. Either your life will crumble to dust or it will climb to new heights of trusting God. And it all depends On the foundation of your life. Because when the storm comes, it's too late to build the foundation then. When interruptions come in life that are severe and significant, where the foundation your life has been built on will be revealed. It was some 30 years later, after Mary's life was interrupted, that her son Jesus wrote these words that describe this rocking of the foundation and the importance of the foundation of our lives. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, he said, Be wise like a man who built his house on the rock. So when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. That's a perfect description of Mary's life. It was built upon the solid rock of her unswerving faith in God. How do I know that? Well, there are two reasons that are revealed in in Mary's song. The first one of those is because her heart, her troubled heart, didn't crumble. In fact, it climbed to new levels of faith. And second is that her song is saturated with a deep abiding knowledge of the Bible, of the Old Testament. That her foundation of her life rested upon the truths of god's word from the old testament in fact if you look carefully if we were to study this we would find at least a dozen allusions references back to the old testament little phrases that occur or little nuances we say that's from something that mary knew from the old testament in fact one writer called it a collage of biblical allusions And it's modeled after the prayer, the great prayer of Hannah, the mother of Samuel in 1 Samuel 2. It reveals that this young Jewish teenage girl had built her lives, had been deeply schooled in the truth and the knowledge of the Bible. She had a foundation in her life that was built upon the truths of the Old Testament. And it enabled her to draw guidance and consolation from the scriptures When her life was rocked to the core, was interrupted in a U-turn, her plans were no longer relevant in life, now God's purpose would be played out through her. That's an important reminder to us of where we build our foundation, our lives on the foundation. Is it the foundation of what we believe to be true or is it the foundation of God's truth, the Bible? And I want to draw two quick implications of us From that, from Mary's, uh, from Mary's life, the first is for parents. Uh, Parents, if you have children uh, at home, they're still young enough; they're in your home. Don't underestimate the value of of being life uh, throughout life, having a lifelong schooling in the Bible for your kids. Teach them the Bible. Help them memorize the Bible. Let them see it lived out in your daily life when life is interrupted for you that you follow god's word we trust god let them see that that there's a foundation of life that's unshakable when it's built upon the truth of god's word that's why every church i've ever pastored I always ask and make sure that the children's ministry has a strong scripture memory program that the kids are learning god's word they're memorizing important sections and verses of the Bible. I remember as a young boy sitting with my dad, sometimes for hours, and he would teach and school us in how to memorize God's Word from the Bible memory program that our Sunday school had. Those verses are still in my head and my heart today. They've come to me many times over the years in times of need. The second implication is for teens Those are teenagers. Don't underestimate teens. The value of your life being built upon the truth of God's word. The impact that you can have as a teenager. Or in your 20s. You know, Mary was only probably 15 to 18 years old. When the angel came to her. And God used her as a teenager to change the course of human history. So make a decision, teens, to ground your life in God's word. Make a decision to wrestle with what you believe, to make your parents' faith or your grandparents' faith or the church's faith or somebody else's faith. Make it your own. Ask hard questions. Dig deep. Make yourself a follower of Jesus, even in your teen years, because God can use you to change your world can change your school, your friends, your neighborhood, your city. God can use teenagers. You don't have to wait till you're 20 and 30 years old. God can use you right now to make a difference in people's lives. I'll tell you, some of my favorite heroes in the churches I've served have been the teenagers. Teenagers who, like Mary, weren't afraid to trust God with their lives. Weren't afraid to let their friends know that they're followers of Jesus. And to share his love and share his truth in their words and in their actions. And to go and do ministry that even sometimes their parents wouldn't do. But the teens said, I trust God. I know God will take care of me. Some of my greatest heroes are those teens whose lives were built on the truth of God's word. Well, there's a second expression of Mary's heart that we find in her wonderful song. And not only do we see that her trust in God, but... We see here also an expression of her humility. In verse 48, she says, He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. So along with her faith, Mary's life expresses a humility toward God. Humility is simply seeing ourselves from God's perspective. Recognizing who and what we are because of him. And we have a humble spirit in response to all that God has done in our lives. And so even as Mary accepted her blessed and special position before God, she did so with a humble recognition that that too was a gift from God. She didn't deserve it. She hadn't earned it. It was God's gracious, generous gift to her. And she recognized in that blessing that there was a dawning of a a new pattern, a new paradigm for God's kingdom that was coming through this baby that she would deliver. There was a revolutionary tone in Mary's song. For not only does God extend his mercy to her humble heart, but Mary recognizes and sees an element of divine judgment in God's mercy coming. As she said, the proud and the nobles, they will be toppled from their places of power. This revolution of God's kingdom means that something grand is going to happen through this baby in her womb. And so certain of it, it hadn't happened yet, but so certain was she that it would happen, she reflects on it in the past tense. She says in verses 51 and following, she says, He has performed, He has scattered, He has brought down. Those things hadn't happened yet in in full measure. But Mary knew they were so certain that God was going to accomplish his purpose in her life and through her life and all of human history. She could speak of them as though they had already been accomplished. The revolution that God was bringing through this son Jesus. She rejoices that now the Messiah is coming and God's purposes will be worked out through all of human history. That someday... Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Mary knew that God's revolution wasn't just in the lives of people, but it would be throughout all human history. But it would start in the hearts and the lives of the people there. So those two expressions of Mary's life, her trust and her humility, they can make a difference in our lives when we go through those interruptions of life as well we can also trust god god's promises uh, even when our circumstances challenge those promises god how are you going to get me through this where is this going to end up we can come back to the truth of god's promise built in the word into the word built into the foundation of our lives and we can humbly submit to his plan because his plan is greater, bigger, better, even than our own. I believe we can do that if we will embrace the lesson that Mary's song teaches us. It's a lesson that says when our lives are interrupted by God, our trust and our humility will sustain us. You see, the Christmas story is really a story about a revolution. A revolution that God began with the birth of His Son when He interrupted the life of Mary. And someday this revolution will overthrow every human ruler on earth and every tongue will confess and every knee will bow before Jesus as God's kingdom comes to earth in all of its fullness at the second coming of Christ. But here it is, first coming. It's as good as done. Mary recognized that. That the revolution now will begin in the hearts and lives of people. and Someday it will spread through all of human history. But it begins as God's salvation, his grace, the good news of Jesus, comes and interrupts our lives. And turns us from sinners to saints. From those who are doing life our way to those who are doing life God's way. The best way from those who can't deal with our, our own sin and brokenness to those who, whose sin and brokenness is forgiven and healed. And God gives us a new beginning. That's the message of Christ becoming a man, of Christ coming into the world. God wants to interrupt our lives with the truth of that. Now maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, I don't know that. I celebrate Christmas, but I didn't know that's what it was about. God changing the course of my life. God doing something in my life that I can't do myself. God paying a penalty for my sin and brokenness that I owe but I never knew how to pay. You don't have to pay it. God paid it for you in the person of his son, Jesus. And you can receive that, that revolution in your own heart, that forgiveness of your sin, that payment of your debt through simply receiving Christ acknowledging that you have a need you can't meet and asking for his forgiveness and receiving him into your life. That's the message the angel announced to Mary. A revolution is coming and it starts in our hearts and lives. If we can help you in that journey, discovering more about it, we would love to do that. i love to help you experience the life-changing interruption that the grace of God brings to our lives. So what interruption of your life do you need to revisit this morning? Is it circumstances? Is it God? Is he intercepting your path in some way and changing your direction? And you say, God, I don't know what to do with that. Do I trust you? Can I have peace with that? Can I humbly submit to it? Oh, Mary's song would say yes to both of those. Yes, we can trust God. Yes, we can humbly receive his plan because his plan for our lives is much better than our plan. His truth is, and his, of his word will come and give us the foundation for life to get us through whatever comes. And we can do that if we embrace the truth of Mary's song. The truth that whenever our lives are interrupted by God, our trust and our humility Will see us through. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this song from this simple teenage girl whose life was so changed and redirected by those few words from the angel. But Lord, through that, you've changed all of human history, and you will change all of eternity. Lord, I pray that today there might be some even here today that would discover the reality of that spiritual revolution in their own lives in turning to you and receiving the gift of a Savior, the peace of God, the forgiveness of Jesus. Lord, I pray that when our lives are interrupted, you might remind us to turn to the truth of your word, the foundation our lives have been built upon, and then to humbly receive what you have for us because we know it's the best. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.